Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello everyone, welcome to Got This, this is Season 7, this is Episode 4, looking into some of the key fighters competing for places in our FPL teams. All will become clear soon. I'm Tom, I'm here with a beer, thanks so much for joining us. A special welcome to new listeners as well, lots of stuff already done, I like the pricing pod, and last week did Lessons Learned too. so worth heading back to listen to those if you like what you hear here. Hear, hear. Anyway, um, I'm joined by Sam as always, you're all right. Hey, Tom. Yeah, really good. Thanks. Um, refreshed after a long weekend in the Lake District. Listen to uh, the Lord of the Rings audiobook on the way back down, which I was just talking to you about. So, uh, yeah, it was a pretty nice drive back, even though it was six plus hours. Um, mm. So, yeah, refreshed. Obviously, we're in the final countdown now to the start of the season. So mm-hmm. um, not going away again before we get going. I need to be fully focused on my drafts. No other stuff can get in the way now. Um, but yeah, all all very well, thank you. Um, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find Tom and the main account on Twitter or X as it's now known, um, which is still a bit weird, but oh well, at WGTA underscore FPL. Um, you can find the main account also on Instagram slash threads at WGTA.FPL. And you can find me at FPL Pricey on Instagram, threads, Twitter, slash X, um, or even on YouTube as well. So uh, feel free to go and give us all a follow on all of those. Um, You can find our mini league as well at um, M-I-N-L-U-D on the FPL app. So do get signed up to that. And there is a trophy on offer for that. And as Tom mentioned a minute ago, today's pod will be focusing on a bit of a Tekken style pick your fighter pod. Um, We won't go into it too much right now. Tom will reveal a bit more in a second, Um, but it will be focused on the key areas that we're debating in our FPL teams with under two weeks to go now. So I think it's going to be really helpful to me, to Tom, and hopefully to all of you out there to really nail down those key decisions in our teams. Yeah, cool. I mean, this is a really interesting idea, I think. And we mentioned on the pricing pod, there's a bit of like a a versus game going on with lots of our picks. You see every year X versus Y. And it's certainly something we've we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. We weren't entirely sure what this pod was going to be. And I think this lended itself very nicely to this time frame because we're getting really close now. And for those who do use FPL Review, that's coming out on Wednesday too. So that will give even more context what we're going to go through today. But I think pricing being levelled has thrown open the door to options across the landscape. Again, we see it every year, but it's not players in the lower reaches so much like in yesteryear. It's players in the upper echelons we're playing with. You know, we're playing at the top table with high stakes. And it's really fascinating to get that sort of X versus Y in and get that discussion had. Um, Obviously, we're not going to be able to touch on every X versus Y out there, uh, given we don't want to go on for two hours. 
Uh, so there's a few omissions. Maybe I think maybe Shaw we were both saying we, we could have spoken about. Um, maybe that crop up in your mind. But we felt it was best to kind of zero in on some of the key battles that we've seen across the community and that we were talking about and we've seen kind of spoken about elsewhere too. And hopefully shed some light on matters and help with your thinking towards game week one uh, with it now looming really, really close. So yeah, Sam, pick your fighter, isn't it? It is. So yeah, today we're going to do a bit of a Tekken style pick your fighter game where both myself and Tom have allocated a member of the FPL player database to go up against some of the template picks out there at the moment. Just in a bit of a contemplate format, we've spoken about this earlier on in preseason. We're going to be introducing that this year to check out whether or not the template holds true and whether the decisions being made by the community are solid ones or whether there are other ways of looking at it. And we thought today would be a good format um, and we could gamify it a little bit by bringing in the Tekken style head-to-head to uh, choose our own fighters that we personally <laughs> felt had the strongest case to be made about going against the template pick in this instance. So hopefully a bit of fun. Um, If you're watching on YouTube, then do feel free to put your opinions on who won that battle in the comments below. And let us know if you would pick a completely different fighter for any given section. And we'll try to get back to you on each of them. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we all need some alternate fighters as well as we go through it too. But mm. yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's definitely a really interesting idea and hopefully we can do it justice. Uh, I mean, I, I before we get going, I'm, I increasingly think that it's the case that there's, uh, looking back to the pricing parliament we've said since, there's probably about eight or nine to me, which feel pretty locked in. So for me, my defense, and we'll talk about defense, but my defense in particular feels incredibly settled. You know, I've got um, Anana and Stones at the moment. I think I had Edison and Shaw the first draft. We didn't know um, Anana's price then. Gabriel and Estepinian, that four, I don't think I've changed that at all, really. Um, and the midfields, I think the three of them are nailed. I'd say Rashford, Saka, uh, Matoma, who we are going to speak about, um, has, I wrote, when I wrote these notes, he was in it. And the more research I did, the more I was thinking, mm, don't know anymore. But yeah, those three, I did have listers pretty nailed. And up front is Haaland, obviously. Five, eight slots with three up for grabs for me. And for those, for me, because all of the defence is so set, it feels like it's all sort of in attack. So it's all quite exciting. You know, we're able to kind of mess around with the uh, the guys who are bringing home the bacon in terms of scoring loads of points, uh, well, in terms of goals and assists. So hopefully, um, it'll be a fascinating one to talk about. I mean, does that chime with you, having that sort of eight or nine that are pretty nailed? Same as me, anyone different? Yeah, certainly so. So in midfield, you name the exact three that I would say I'm pretty much locked on. Um, Mitoma obviously is maybe the weaker of those those three in midfield, and we will uh, come into that later, I think. Um, but there are arguments to be made for other midfielders, other strikers, maybe outside of Haaland. Um, but yeah, the, certainly the ones you mentioned there in the forward position seem pretty pretty strong picks and quite hard to bet against. Um, in defence, I would say Gabriel and Estepinian are the two that are most likely locked in for me. There's a little bit of messing around on the edges um, with a couple of different mm. picks um, <laughs> in defence at the moment, but perhaps not the most exciting position considering the value that is out there in midfield and attack this season. Um, in goal, I think since Anana joined the game, I've been on him. Um, and 
unless a 4.5 keeper really stands up in the next week or so and I'm presented with a very strong case against him, then it seems a fairly easy route into the Man United defence. So I'm pretty happy with Anana. But yeah, very similar. I think the community probably echoes that from what I've seen on Twitter or X so far um, with a couple of bold calls here and there. But yeah, I think those those seem to be the more locked players that you mentioned. Cool. Well, let's try to figure out, I guess, these kind of final three slots. You know, where, where are they going to sit? There are a few other questions, obviously, we've got, and we'll go through these as well. Where, where are we starting, Sam, with the verses? So we're going to start with Saka going up head-to-head against our two favoured picks at that sort of price point. It's not exactly the same price point, but uh, do you want to start with the fighter you chose? I chose Bruno Fernandes here. It's very, very close to him and Martinelli, actually. I, I put out a tweet earlier on about Martinelli's perhaps being overlooked, but I, mm. Bruno, you guys can't get over that 8.5, Sam. Even now, I'm still kind of, wow. You know, this is a player that I was happy to play uh, paid 12.0 for not all that long ago. So it seems crazy to me that you know we're even talking about Bruno in this context especially given last season's performance which I'll mention in a bit so I mean he's my fighter up against Saka I suppose and we'll talk about maybe why there are some questions about him too but I'm, I'm intrigued to see who you've opted for here yeah so I've gone with a slightly more left field pun or as it were a left wing pun in Hyunmin Son and I think <laughs> I'll, I'll explain the, the detail behind it a bit more later. But Bruno, I really like him as a pick. He's currently in my draft. Uh, and maybe that's why I don't consider him to be an outside of the template pick. But actually, the, the more you think about it, the more that it is a contest for Bruno, whether or not he is fitting into that template. I think he's in about 20% of teams at the moment, but that means that... 25. It's a 25. I 25. So three out of four teams he's not actually in at the moment. And I think that is partly because of Saka and Rashford as well being such strong picks. Can we make an argument against either of those, and particularly in this case Saka at 8.5, to pick Bruno in a direct comparison over him or indeed find that extra 0.5 million and go for something that after last season might be considered a bit of a, a punt in Hyunmin Son. But uh, looking at his pedigree, which I'll go into in a moment, he is still an elite attacking player in what seems to be a quite attacking team so far. So I think he is being overlooked a little bit considering Spurs fixtures after the first couple. Yes, certainly. I mean, so Saka is one that's kind of in the spotlight a little bit here for us. I think, you know, at the end of last season, uh, we had, there was a bit of, a, there was certainly a drop off for him. Arteta's seemingly determined for him to adapt into a, a 60 game a season guy. So he, he keeps playing him. So you, there's the mm. X-Men's locks. I think it's it's very it's analogous almost to Harry Kane at Spurs. Like Saka is going to be flogged. And I, I think that you know, it's fair to say that he probably will be in most teams. And, and these players that we're talking about are maybe supplement to Saka rather than replacing Saka as far as I can see at the moment. So Saka, 26 goal involvements last year, but only three in the last 10 games. Mm. So a, a real proper um, disappointment, I suppose, towards the end of the season as other players came out of the woodwork and eclipsed him. Uh, I suppose that's why he's up for the reckoning, that's for sure. And with these two players, I mean, you've certainly got a case to 
reconsider whether you want Saka. Just to give my fighters um, appraisal a little bit, Bruno Fernandes, you know what you're getting. Of course, you know what you're getting. But the reality is that last year, it was a massive underperformance, honestly. Eight mm. goals, eight assists, and non-pen XG plus uh, non-pen XGI of 24. Um, so yeah, that's a huge, like, kind of a, loads of points left at the table, effectively. And if they've used that, you know, the fact that he scored slightly fewer points um, to to kind of justify the drop. It, there's not very much of it as a sudden price ball which makes sense about him being the 8.5. United's fixtures at the start of the season are okay. I mean, let's say Wolves in game week one feels like a nailed-on clean sheet, hence Nana, as we spoke about earlier. Spurs, um, Spurs are going to be great fun this year, but I think that's going to be a great attacking game. Forest mm. in game week three. Arsenal in four, which I'm not, you know, I wouldn't be too worried about that in terms of having uh, Bruno, because I think that, that will be goals in that game. And then you run, go into a nice little run again of Bryson, Burnley, Palace, Brentford, Sheffield United. So I don't really see much downside of, of starting with Bruno, especially because, you know, whenever a player comes in that you think is undervalued, that feels like there's scope for that player to progress throughout the season in terms of price and um, in terms of um, just I guess proving that price tag wrong but whenever you spot value whenever I spot value I can't get it out of my head and I think with Bruno that was just the one where as I said earlier on I've never been able to get over the price and I think what he brings to the team is going to be um, really important interesting to see how he and Mount Dovetail as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago uh, but nonetheless I still think that he 8.5 should probably make a mockery of that price tag so yeah I mean, Bruno for me would be the one within this sort of area but I'm, I'm not saying the sack is rubbish by any stretch of imagination i'm not awesome <laughs> fan i can't do that no saka is certainly not rubbish and you make very strong arguments towards bruno adding to that as well hoyland looks like he is about to sign officially for man united i think we got the the here we go a couple of days ago so it would be good to see how bruno performs on his xg with uh sorry his xgi um with a star striker talismanic strike up front that he can feed into beyond just rashford as well um man united despite having a couple of rough preseason results i think do look like they're shaping up pretty well this season mount and bruno in those dual eight pivots by the looks of it um might lead to bruno dropping into spaces deeper down the field sometimes but I don't think that's any cause for concern if anything that means he's got more opportunity to spray um the passes and look for the more uh, opportunistic long balls which I think plays into his strengths very very well like you mentioned his xgi is really really strong um and actually that pivots me across to Saka a little bit um it's not blockbuster his underlying data he overperformed his XA specifically by over double last year. So this is a player that whilst he is elite and no question about the fact that 8.5 is great value for a player of his quality, I think there are question marks to be answered about how popular he is. Arsenal do have very good fixtures, but there are also other good attacking options at Arsenal not just in midfield in Martinelli and Erdegaard, but also up front in Jesus, who I think, as you mentioned in the first preseason pod, has fantastic underlying data and wasn't actually in the team all season. So will he eat into Saka's data a little bit as well? So Saka is undoubtedly a fantastic pick and Bruno is as well in his own right. But both of those actually have quite high XAs in comparison to their XG and obviously goals being 
the more favorable return that we all look for. That's where I've gone to Hyunmin Son. Now, he's a 200-point club um, member twice over, two in the last three seasons. Last year was disappointing, and I don't think anyone's denying that. But he still got 16 returns, including 10 goals. So in what was a very disappointing season for him, he still got 150 points, 10 goals, six assists, and his underlying data has always been consistently quite strong, barring possibly last season where it dropped off a little bit. Historically, he has overperformed his his XG as well by quite a considerable margin. I think he's one of the highest overperformers in world football until Haaland came along, of course. And I can see him getting back to his best this season especially as last season, he's openly admitted he was never at full fitness. He was always struggling with uh, a consistent injury throughout the season. I think in a recent interview, he said he was in unbelievable pain through the back half of the season. So he seems like he's ready to go again. And talking about Spurs in a more holistic manner, they seem like a team that are going to be going much more for chances created and less control in defence, possibly. But in doing so, also being a more free-flowing attacking unit. And if Song can bank on some of that added attacking threat, especially if Kane leaves as well, he might even be on penalties. I think he could be fantastic value at 9 million. I think, honestly, for a player of his quality, anything shy of 10 million is a very fair price. And the only thing that might put me off going for him from the start is the first couple of fixtures are really, really strong for both Man United and Arsenal. Whereas for Spurs, it might not be quite yeah. so fantastic. However, a player of his quality can score against anyone. And I think it would be interesting an interesting punt to take against the, the template that you could really pay dividends from with such a high weighting towards the goals rather than assists. No, I, I completely agree with that. It's just what you said, there <laughs> the mm. other two the other two teams have got better fixtures to begin with and we've spoken about this already but at the start of the season you've got you know the, the, the data is not particularly useful a lot of the time especially with a new manager at Spurs I mean I'd argue that's kind of a clean break territory in terms of the past data but you know it's definitely true about overperforming um Son has scored 22 more goals than his ex allows over the last six years and this is the first year uh, that it was the the first year last year they underperformed it only performed by only underperformed by 0.1 so it wasn't too bad but I mean at the end of the day he, he was doing a lot less and I think he, he said he was playing with a hernia didn't he or something like that I, I think know. that what, was what it yeah I wasn't yeah. confident mm. yeah so I mean yeah certainly makes sense and it's, it sounds like Spurs can be a lot of fun you know we'll score more one more than you uh, sort of <laughs> team this this year it, it just kind of it, it comes back to that early making the start count really and how important the start is and if you've got a player like Saka good fixture um good fixtures decent ownership it kind of feels like it's it's one where I'd be more confident in a player like like Saka or Bruno over over Son here. I mean, in defence of Saka again, what I would say is that he's another that uh, when, when his price came out, we were all kind of thinking, "Wow, you know, that's, that's actually pretty cheap." Actually, until we saw the whole price structure, we're like, "Oh, okay, I, I see what was going on here." Um, <laughs> but he was he was another who outperformed last year and still didn't get much of a rise. So, I mean, 
certainly can see the appeal of Son. I just think for me, he's firmly in the monitor camp rather than the he is in consideration for game week one camp. Obviously, mm. got that massive price drop. <clears throat> cool. Perfect. Uh, it just makes it easier to get him in later. But at the moment, you know, there's nothing concerning me. I'm, I'm no, I know those people don't like this, but there's nothing concerning me about him his having him having ownership, which is going to be through the roof. It's five percent in the moment. But the flip side of that is what you're saying. So yeah, you get Son in from the beginning. You issue a Bruno alongside Rashford. You you issue a Saka. You get Son. He bangs early doors you know he's, he's back to who he was not long ago one year ago we all had him then that's a huge opportunity and a huge way to make up really kind of a lot of early season points that people are going to struggle to uh, make back potentially especially if he does start off on fire under Ange Postacoglu so yep I, I see where you're coming from with it it's just I'm, I'm just slightly more in Bruno's camp and that 0.5 as well is, is yes pretty nice um I think there's potentially one else, one one other to mention here. Mm-hmm. So earlier on, that is Marcinelli. So we're talking about overlooked players. Not quite as much as Son is, but 13% owned at the moment, Marcinelli. One of our main goal threats last year. Um, I think he was our joint top scorer of Odegaard with 15 goals. Top for XGI for us last year. And in terms of that interchange with Jesus as well, now Jesus is back fit. I think that he's kind of basically positioned as being kind of our, our key man, basically, in scoring goals. Um, there's a worry potentially with rotation with Trossard, etc. But early doors, you know, before we get into the European competitions, that feels a little bit forced. I mean, maybe some injury in preseason that I only heard of tonight. Um, so maybe you know that's something to keep an eye on. But I think he's top player. 198 points last year. He got injured in game week 36. I think there's a lot of kind of ill feeling towards him because loads of us sold him for Odegaard and then he went off and did bits while he wasn't in many of our teams. But 8.0, he is one that I'm really interested in doubling up with Saka with. But basically, I've got Saka, Bruno and Marcinelli right now. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm I'm arguing for all of these guys (laughs) against your one guy. So it's almost like we will gang up on you in a (laughs) 2v1 or 3v1 even. Um, But yeah, I I think that he's another one that's probably worth kind of throwing in there. Um, Yeah, I I, I don't know basically about about Son. It's it's kind of a a very long-winded way of me saying that. There's better options, I think, right now. Yeah, there are certainly safer options. And I think that's the key. Uh, We've mentioned it before in the preseason pods that sometimes safety is best to start off with. And when the fixtures are favouring sides with like strong fixtures and their strong sides at the same time with well-priced assets like Saka, like Martinelli, like Rashford and Bruno, those seem like four picks that you can probably bet your your house on. Whereas Son maybe has more upside than a couple of them but also it's taking a massive bet against the house and it might be a, ri- a bit rich too rich for some of some of us to go with from the off i think if there was one player i would be tempted to make that switch with it, it would be bruno i actually i'm really bullish on martinelli as well he's also in my side and i like midfielders that are heavily weighted towards the goals rather than assists and Martinelli certainly yeah. seems like a key goal threat for Arsenal. So I don't think Arteta's going to sacrifice that in the opening few game weeks, especially before Europe kicks in. So I, I am actually really bullish on Martinelli. 
Um, and this is this section has almost turned into a Saka and one of these rather than Saka or one of these. Um, mm. I think we're probably ready to reach a conclusion on how Saka's done versus either of these. Um, how would you see it so far? I just feel like we. I guess we haven't spoken too much about Saka's actual potential, but it's huge. Like he's still very young, improving every year. Um, on penalties, we think. Um, I know that he took a penalty. Uh, Jorginho took a penalty uh, with him on the pitch. Um, but you know, you're talking about a player who the trajectory's been up was first 200 club last year, um, and at a low price due to the pricing landscape. I just I don't really see too many downsides with at least starting with him and seeing where it goes. But that also applies to Bruno. It doesn't mm-hmm. apply to Son. So, you know, I, I think it's a draw between Saka and Bruno. I think Son, sadly, is KO'd. Mm. I'd put, I agree with you. Son is a risky one. Um, Saka, I think, just outscores Bruno for me. So I would have Saka winner on points rather than knockout. Um, but hopefully they both score plenty of points in the opening few weeks because they're both in my draft right now. On we go. So um, the second fight is probably not a direct fight, so maybe not even seen as a fair fight. But um, this one was uh, your uh, thinking, I think. So we've gone with uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold against two players that don't actually even play in his position. Um, Do you want to explain that a little bit? Yeah, so I I think this is is a bit of a structure question more than anything. So Trent is one that... I've seen people go hot and cold on in the community, and he's definitely one that I've been cold on mostly um, throughout the time. I've started, I only started drafting the other day, really, because when we had kind of a couple of weeks, I'm going to put it on Twitter. But I think ultimately, Trent is a sacrifice. No, it, whether he's playing number six or right back, eight million uh, is definitely one to kind of think about. I mean, with Liverpool, do I have much hope of a renewed defensive solidity? I'm not sure. I mean, the Bournemouth game is obviously a big worry, but. I don't know. Like the big, the big problem with Trent is that, uh, as per us putting up, putting him up against a representative from the strikers in Nkunku here, but we're not going to talk about Nkunku specifically until later on in Foden in terms of uh, the midfield, is that there's a classical impact with your team. I think with buying Trent, especially if you think about the, the players we said are already nailed in our squads, as far as we can see, you have to go without that fifth midfielder, or you have to go without that third striker. And I basically feel like earlier on, you're you're kind of relying on Trent's attacking potential more than anything. I suppose you could you can make the argument that you're treating him like a midfielder in your mind, even if he's listed as a defender. But the, the key for me is always this sort of notion of yogic flexibility that goes on and on and on every year. Like think about you know the fact that with Trent. It's a two-move swing to take the money out of him if you need to to get that fifth midfielder or get that third striker. Um, whereas if you get Bruno or Foden or something or another striker early on, you, you've got a lot more flexibility in terms of moving things around. And it feels like to me that he's one that you're going to have to be pretty sure on from the off. And again, I know people don't like it, but for me, the ownership isn't high, high at the moment. So it's not one I feel like I'm compelled to be quote-unquote covering. I think you know, the structural compromise you have to make to get to Trent isn't good enough. He's clearly a good player, great player, and clearly a great FPL asset. And I'm sure I will end up owning him at some point in the season. I may even end up you know, 
game week one thinking, you know what, okay, I actually do think I believe in him to be able to do it. I just don't know whether I trust Liverpool's defence to keep the clean sheets, which elevates Trent into that sort of elite zone. He becomes, he's a very, very, very good defender and a very, very, very good midfielder, but he's not an elite one. And at the moment we're playing in that sort of, in that area where you could be buying in an elite player to in, in the spot that the money you're spending on Trent. So at the moment, I, I'm, I'm, I'm cold on him and he's not in my draft and I'm favouring getting a fifth midfielder because as I said before, um, those midfielders are just so damn good that it feels like you're robbing yourself of value if you're going without. That sounds about right. Yeah, that does. And it's a very strong argument. Um, I'll put forward very quickly the forward argument as well. So the forward argument would be that, like like you mentioned, a 7.5 or an 8 million forward, whilst they might, arguably, they might compete pretty well with Trent in terms of overall point, a 4.5 million defender companion in combination who will start, who will be a good bench option for you in your side... And at times will come on, come into your eleven as well. If injury were to strike, or if um, a, a rotation strikes as well. Whereas in Trent's case, you're probably matching him up with a four point five striker, and those four point five strikers at the moment, unless Balogun does get a prem move very very quickly, and probably even then he's not going to be ready for the start of the season and slot straight into a side. There's not really any options out there that I would confidently feel like I'm not just burning a spot in my forward line um, and just having Trent with a player that's not going to get me anything or even provide me any sort of comfort blanket on the bench over the first few game weeks. Now, obviously, Trent's ceiling is very, very high when you add in those clean sheets, as well as any bonus that comes along with attacking returns and clean sheets. But... I feel like there's still a lot of moving parts at Liverpool. There's a lot of midfielders going out the door at the moment. And even if they do get that defensive midfielder in, probably Lavia by the looks of it now, start of the season, Trent might have to take up that number six role. And he might, and Liverpool might also not be keeping that many clean sheets to start with either. So you are relying on those attacking returns, like you mentioned. So... I'm not so sure that I'm that bullish on Trent anymore. He is a very tempting player and we all know his upside. But like Tom said, I think particularly in midfield, there seems like there's just so much value at the moment. And Foden's just one of many, many midfielders around that price point. We've mentioned a few in the previous section already that I'd prefer to have over Trent in my side at the moment. Yeah, I mean... It's, it's... I think previously getting Trent in made sense because you were looking at him versus other players in his price bracket, other midfielders in his price bracket. That's that's for certain. But the prices being as they are with that hangover from last season where the now desirable players were underpriced and are still kind of slightly underpriced, it just doesn't seem to make sense. So for example, you know, consider FBR, for example. Last year, he came 23rd in terms of non-pen XG, which is obviously great for a defender. He was top for defenders, right? But loads of midfielders who are now affordable and loads of forwards who are affordable came in ahead of him. And you can fit all of these players within your team Without having to buy, you know, without having to make the eight million sacrifice, 
you know, Rashford, Watkins, Martinelli, Odegaard, Saka, Darwin, who we'll talk about later, Jesus, Solly March, what's he doing there? Uh, James <laughs> Madison, Jared Bowen, Karim Matoma. All of these players had performed better than him in terms of, of XGI. And then you've got the fact that Liverpool weren't keeping that many clean sheets. And as Sam said, there are some questions about their ability to shore themselves up. I mean, I, I know you love Romeo Lavia, but is him coming in going to be the magic bullet? I, I'm not sure on that one. A great player, but you know, I, call it, I haven't seen much of Southampton, I've got to admit. Um, but you know, it's, it's going to be one, it's, it's one word that's going to be, you're buying the potential, I guess, rather than having kind of a, a solid sort of income who's going to be able to come in like Declan Rice, I suppose, and make that defence something that I can be more confident in. You're relying a lot on Alisson. Whereas the year before, you know, Trent in 16th overall for XGI um, and you know, players above him that weren't, you know, who were too expensive, I suppose, to fit in around him. So this year you can make the choice that you don't need Trent. You There are loads of other players you can have in, in the midfield, like Foden, like Bruno, like Martinelli, or an attack like Nkunku, uh, obviously that's a bit of a question mark, or like our man, Ollie Watkins, Sam. So mm-hmm. how does Trent work? I just don't know if he does. And if the fixtures were kinder, I think we'd all be sitting there going, oh, you know, of course I'm having Trent. Great, they've put his price up. I'm still having him now. I just think, you know, apart from that Bournemouth game, there's nothing about those opening fixtures at the moment. I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I, I need Trent there, I need that money there. I'm, I'm just going to favor flexibility, basically. And um, I, I don't know if I'm, I think I'm, I feel like I'm fighting the, mid, the fifth midfielder corner in terms of mm. our Tekken versus. Um, do, do you, I, I kind of feel like you're kind of the same. I feel like you're kind of saying, oh, yeah, just to give the forwards argument, but I, I'm not quite buying into it myself. Yeah, I, I am the same. And I think the midfielder is the stronger category here. I think overall, I I would say midfielder wins by a knockout over these two. So that it's the third striker we're talking about here, not a second one. Obviously, a second striker at 8 million is absolutely fine. Putting in an extra at 7.5 to 8 million striker instead of Trent is a little bit more difficult. And again, it would mean sacrificing midfielder. Um, and having a 4.5 in midfield, which I think with the value that's on offer in midfield this season, with all of the picks we've already mentioned and will mention in this show, I want five midfielders. Whereas I'm not that confident on more than the two strikers. Um, there are a few picks for that second spot, but I think I'll just land on one and, and stick with that and maybe move between them in the first few weeks, as we'll go into in a second. But I don't think I need three forwards knowing how strong the midfielder camp is this year. Cool. Right. Well, I, th- I think that um, maybe the midfielders have it over Trent, I think. Um, I, yeah. I don't know whether we've come into it too subjectively there. We've uh, <laughs> yeah, put, put the midfield in easy mode and given Trent hard mode. But I, I mean, I think, I think it is one that I'm ultimately just... I'm in agreement with you um, that it, it doesn't seem like one moment. I mean, things may change. We may get to kind of the start of the season and Liverpool have signed some elite DM and suddenly <clears> we're thinking, oh, you know, Trent inverting into that is going to be amazing. But we're not just not there yet, are we? So no. should, we, should we move on to the next one? 
Let's do it. So on to uh, number three, which is Matoma, which Ooh. we mentioned earlier a little bit. So this one is, I think, a really interesting category with a number of 6.5 picks that are looking really decent this season and some that are with a little bit extra budget, if you can find it elsewhere, upgrades that I think could be worth it. So um, would you like to go first with your pick? Yeah, I mean, should we talk about Matoma quickly first as well before I do that? So Matoma is one who's in because Brighton have a good start and rotation fears, I think, are completely mis- misplaced. I mean, I know that there's Ad, Ad Ingra uh, in, in the new Brighton Vunderkind out there and there's some bizarre narrative out there that he's been quote-unquote worked out. But I just feel like one, any rotation fears are misplaced. I mean, they will happen as we saw last season when congestion begins. I, I I can't see that happening in the league until kind of it gets game week five and six. And in terms of him being worked out, I mean, he underperformed his XG, underperformed his XG significantly across the last few weeks. Um, I think it was seven versus at three. Just blew cold. I think. And uh, the beauty of Matoma, I think, to begin with as well, is one, you cover, I I know, again, most people don't like that, but you cover kind of 37.4% ownership and they have Newcastle in nicer than five. So loads of players who sit at this price tag that you can move Matoma on for at that point if you're not feeling it anymore with Brighton. But the first three are very, very good fixtures. Luton at home, Wolves away, it's more of a defensive fixture, but you know, still a, a good fixture and West Ham at home. So for me, it, it, I can see why he's in loads of teams. And I think that he's probably just one who um, loads of people have just default picked and default picks for a good reason for once, rather than just he was in the, in the auto pick. I, I guess... Just getting away from this price bracket is was kind of my fighter here mm. uh, with Phil Foden. I mentioned him on the pricing pod <laughs> as being one who has been underpriced. Got a 0.5 million price drop last year, despite performing better in terms of FPL points. And with the departures of Gundogan and the departure now of Mares, I, I think that there's more slots for him to play in. I guess too. So hopefully the X Mins are going to be better for Foden uh, I'm not going to wax lyrical about Foden too much but I, I think that he's one who is due a proper FPL breakout season and at that low price a discounted price I feel like he could be one that next year we would all kind of be thinking oh you know he's 11 million now god remember when he was 7.5 especially with uh, what happens with, with De Bruyne whether his star's descending or not but I can see Foden being one who definitely makes mockery of that price tag that's for sure um, so for me if I was going to go without Matoma, I would probably try to find the extra million and make my way up to Foden because I think that you know, the 6.5s, there's, there's not too much of it. There's a lot going on there, but being able to buy into the Man City attack at 7.5 with a player who's a noted goal threat, if Pep plays in that way, it just feels like a ludicrous uh, proposition to me. So I think that's where I would go if I could find a way to make it work, especially if we find out, you know, pays and charge shield and we find out that he's playing uh, against Burnley I think there'll be loads of people like flurrying to get him in <laughs> you know uh, so yeah he, he's one that I just it's, it's another one similar to Bruno Sam where I looked at the price I thought wow that's that's pretty low isn't it mm. I, I mean Foden's price is ridiculously good value if he starts consistently I think that's my 
I'm still very scarred by rotation worries with Foden and City in general. I think also if I was going to find a way to get to Foden, I'd actually be more likely to sacrifice an 8.5 and move down and try and use that extra 1 million elsewhere from gut instinct. I'm not sure in my current draft I could find an extra million elsewhere to upgrade from Matoma, especially when I am still pretty confident that Matoma will perform well in the opening few game weeks. I really do want a slice of that Brighton pie going forwards. And I I think with just a Stupinian in defence, that doesn't quite give me enough. Whereas Matoma, I think, is a, a, as good a way into that Brighton attack as I can find right now. Um, there are other options, obviously, but none that I'm as confident on. So I'm quite I'm quite bullish on Matoma, and it is quite a tough um, a tough argument to go against. The one that I am moving towards or having a look at right now is uh, Diaby at Villa. Now, again, it's an unproven asset, so I don't expect him to be <laughs> mass-owned going into game week one. And we, 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 we almost came to came to blows about this, not obviously in a very polite <laughs> way. I was like, oh, he's clearly one that's going to be a wait and see. And you were like, oh, no, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not sure I quite agree with that, Tom. <laughs> so I think he might, he might actually be one that's worth talking about. I was like, oh, oh God. You touched a nerve there. Yeah, you uh, yeah, doubted yeah. my FPL. No, um, did, did I, I think... I think with Diaby, uh, it is a risk. I completely understand that. And you're you're right to say that not many people will realistically go there to start with. But we've seen players like him come into the Premier League before and hit the ground running. And when you look at the players that he is directly compared to, especially on um, FB ref as well, Salah, Vinicius Jr., Martinelli are three immediate direct comparisons that come to mind. And he has a good goal scoring and assisting record in the Bundesliga over a good few seasons now. He's also a player that comes, I think, as Aston Villa's record signing and has been integrated immediately into their preseason plans. So not that I'm looking at the fact he scored a couple of goals in preseason, but he has looked promising. He's been a direct threat on goal a few times and has been playing off of Ollie Watkins very well already. So I expect him to hit the ground running at Villa. And at 6.5 million, I think that is going to prove to be significantly underpriced after a few weeks. Now, going up against Matoma might be a tough one, especially with Matoma's opening fixtures. But if you're sat there, like I was in the last couple of weeks, with two 6.5 midfielders, with Embuemo or Eze being the second one, for instance, I think then there's a really strong argument to say, actually, I could probably fight either of those with a Diaby and just take the chance on the lower ownership and on the explosive returns that he could provide. It's not it's not a, a hyper-confident pick, but I quite like the, the rogue outsider here. And if I was going to move Matoma on out of Foden or Diaby, I'd probably go to Diaby and look to find Foden with a downgrade elsewhere. Um, rather than losing a million on yeah. uh, Matoma and trying to downgrade elsewhere in my team where I'm actually pretty happy with. So, yeah, that's my allocated fighter. He's a wild card option with no fighting record whatsoever in the Prem. <laughs> so he's gone from 
uh, cruiserweight to heavyweight or what, whatever it is. And it, he might be punching upwards a little bit. But yeah, I quite like him as an option. And I think it would be remiss of me not to mention him at all in the preseason pods, considering how excited I am for him in general. So here's my opportunity to do so. Yeah, exactly. Well, proper football manager legend, Moussa uh, mm. DRB. If you, if you look at FB Ref, you compare him to other fighters within the, the, the weight class, <laughs> I suppose. You've got uh, DRB and Buemo, uh, who we'll speak about in a second, Matoma and Ezzy, who again we'll mention. Uh, obviously, Bundesliga tax involved, but his non pen XGI is much better than Ezzy. Um, a little bit better than Matoma and a tiny bit better than Mbwemo, basically. Um, but yeah, you're, you're looking at a player who could be a real interest, especially if you do kind of fancy, fancy Villa, fancy bit of Villa. I think that they were a player we were just saying offline before we came on. They're, they're a team who's uh, who got out-narrated a little bit by Brighton uh, last year. I mean, people who've only got a few things they can keep in their heads about football and obviously plucky little Brighton doing well after Graham Potter deserted them for Chelsea. Um, and coming out of nowhere to almost kind of hit the top four, uh, something that people did keep in mind. But you know, Emery um, and the transformation at Villa is, is huge. And you're right to be bullish about uh, Villa in general. And Diaby could be really interesting for them. I think you've got the X-Mins on, on the side of Diaby, which I think the model is going to favour him fairly highly. The opening fixtures, I mean, you've got Newcastle first away. Did very well against Newcastle last year. So maybe there's a bit of kind of underlying sort of, you know, oh crap, not them again sort of thing going on. <laughs> uh, Everton, Burnley, Liverpool, Palace, Chelsea. I mean, I, I'm not worried about any of those games in terms of opportunities for for goals. Mm. Um, so I think he could be re- genuinely. I think he'd be he could be really really interesting uh, within this price bracket. If you're kind of you know, again, my fighters fade him, but if you're looking within this price bracket, I think he, he's a really good call, especially if you, as I said, like a bit of Villa. Watkins gets crowded out by. Jesus gets crowded out by an Nkunku or something, and you're kind of thinking, "Oh, I still want to cover Villa." Not to consider, I'm, I'm not sure about Matoma. Okay, I know there's the EO factor, but I'm going to go somewhere else. I mean, fine. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, Ezzy quickly. I mean, did I, did did do well last season? Really overperformed at the tail end of last season against did, as expected. Yeah. And Palace had really good fixtures. Um, so he's, he's one that's a little bit he's a proper baller to the eye like every time you watch him he's so eye-catching really skillful player but the XGI is pretty mare and Palace are pretty mare to me I'm not going to build them up to be anything that they're not because their exit velocity was fueled by their fixtures being so damn good so I'm, I'm not I'm not 100% sure on Ezzy basically is a, a, in this bracket and I, I know there's one that we haven't spoken about here that maybe it's just because he's in loads of teams so maybe not but no in Bumo I, I thought from looking at Twitter and we said on the pricing pod a little while ago that we kind of thought that, oh you know he's in the template in the template it's, it's actually actually not that high it's just 22 percent Sam so it's, it's not mm. it's nothing that particularly no, it is worrying, and um, and as I said last time, a couple last couple of times ago, I, I don't think his um his role in the team will change that much, really. I know he's going to obviously have a bit more emphasis on him with Tony out, but what's really interesting is what FPL Salah posted earlier on about moving from Mbwemo to Diaby because you can get Mbwemo's kind of opening fixtures: Spurs, Fulham, Palace. 
Bournemouth, Newcastle, Everton and Forest. And then game week eight, swapping for Diaby and then going to a really nice Ever- uh, Villa run of Wolves, West Ham, Luton, Forest, Fulham, Spurs and Bournemouth. So, I mean, you know, it, there's a nice sort of, you know, linkage there about it. I, d- I don't know. I, 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 I still think there's probably something that's a bit... I'm just not sure about Mbomo. Maybe it's just my memories of him being the carpenter and just loving hitting <laughs> the woodwork. Um, I, I was with a, I was with a, a Brentford fan and one of my uh, the NTC dads, uh, antenatal classes dads, uh, over the weekend. He was just saying with Mbomo, he's got one move, which is obviously cutting inside. Doesn't have a doesn't have a right foot. Just cuts just cuts and takes a shot. And a lot of the time, because of the angles, he just tends to hit the woodwork. So that's why he does it. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know about Mbomo. I kind of feel like I almost prefer Diaby. That sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? Because he's a new fighter. It's just, it's just one where I've, 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 the more that I see kind of the propaganda for him, the less and less warm I am to him. Mm. Yeah. He is on penalties, right? Uh, we we don't know. Um, mm. It might uh, he took a penalty the last preseason friendly. Uh, we don't know whether it's him or Vissa. Uh, okay, that's a, that's a big feather in this cap if he is. Yeah, yeah. I think if Mbumo is on penalties, then considering the the added emphasis that will be on him for Brentford, he is still a good pick. And I can see why he is in one out of roughly five teams um, at the moment. He is a player that has been in my draft in and out. He's out at the moment. I, I think he's got good potential. And the fact that he's now classified as a midfielder as well does help his case a little bit. But I think you've got to be realistic with your expectations of him he's not an elite player who's going to bag double figures in both goals and assists unless he really starts um shooting upwards this season but historically based on the knowledge we have at the moment he's not that not that type of player he did get a considerable amount of attacking returns last year but most of those were with tony in the team and without tony there are still question marks to be answered on how effective Brent, Brentford will be playing in what you would presume to be quite a different style to one they're used to with a, a talismanic striker who's very, very good at laying the ball off and creating chances for others as well. So I think that's enough of a question mark and Embuemo to, to make me look elsewhere. And at the moment, I am off of him. I think Diaby, there is a little bit of shiny new toy syndrome going on there, but... <laughs> But Aston Villa are a very good team. They're on the up and he is going to be what I would consider to be a star player for them this season. Um, I know this has happened before and they've they've signed players before that haven't quite worked out like uh, Bailey, for instance. But I, (laughs) I, I do feel like he comes with a slightly higher pedigree. And maybe it is one to just watch for a while, um, especially if you're directly competing against Mitoma. Um, but yeah, like like you said, the fixture swing favours him from, I think you said game week eight. So maybe it's one to just keep an eye on for a few weeks. Yeah. Um, I think we can probably wrap up this section with my vote saying, I think the fighter that's won here is probably Matoma. Would you disagree with that? 
I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm high on Diaby fumes at the moment. <laughs> I was that convincing, was I? <laughs> convert, converted me. Uh, no, I, I, I yeah, I, I, I'm interested. That's for sure. I, I, I think they definitely see the X-Mins will be there, which is going to be quite good for a team on the up who are playing great attacking football. If he is Watkins' is deputy, or as we've seen with those kind of direct runs, which you, you mentioned, um, him becoming like a secondary goal scorer and extra threat for Villa that could be really interesting it's just those early fits from Matoma and mm. just the early sort of you know just just making sure that you're not massively exposed to a player that makes me think that Matoma sort of wins it a couple of points here before we move on if you're hot on Brighton one I want to mention one, one I want to mention quickly which I you mentioned a minute ago Jal Pedro at Brighton uh, not that many will have seen but Undav left Brighton recently on loan. Um, Joel Pedro is the record signing for Brighton. Uh, De Zerbi apparently really wanted him. I think there's a really good chance he starts an awful, awful lot of games. I mean, maybe we're kind of getting into the Trent thing again. But at 5.5 and a forward, he could be the bargain of the season and one mm. who could re- who could you know go into your team and just kind of play that sort of maybe 12th man, 11th man. They're not really too sure of a role. Uh, one to watch. And Final point, you know that gif where you've got Godzilla and I can't remember who else fighting it out, and then there's like a, a pup, uh, like a Doge, which comes up with like a bigger with stick. The bat. Yeah, it's it's Richarlison. Just got to mention that. <laughs> and this 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 whole thing gets torpedoed, doesn't it? If if Kane goes, because I feel like Richarlison will then emerge as probably being in in many people's team. Um, a lot of. Last year, a few dislike for Richarlison. Obviously, had a really tough transitional season, but still the number nine for Brazil. Um, still the kind of player who is a bit of an honest worker, shall we say, a very different profile from Kane, but could well be the guy who fits what Postacogli wants to do at Spurs. And if he's 7.0 and playing for a top four contender whatever you want to think about them, that, that that's what they're aiming for, or at least a player that you conceivably say uh, is going to be playing for a team who's playing, aiming for the top, you know, who will finish in the top eight, top top six. You know, I, I think that that's going to be ridiculous. I think loads of people are going for a Charleston at 7.0, which would take the 0.5 from the Tomer, uh, probably, maybe. I don't know whether people will go for both, but, you know, it's just one that I think is worth mentioning there. Yeah, I mean, time will tell, but if Kane does move... Uh, a forward playing for Spurs week in, week out, classified as a midfielder and one that has decent pedigree in FPL over several seasons. We've got decent data on him. He had a tough season last year, but he rips up the template completely and probably Matoma's position um, in our sides if Kane goes in the next few days. Um, yeah, Spurs have decent fixtures after the first couple, so he will become very, very popular. It might be one where you switch from Mitoma to Richarlison after two or three weeks because of that fixture swing. But yeah, he will be massively popular if Kane goes. Cool. Right. Where are we going next? On we go. And we're going back into the classic 4.5 million defender category um, for a bit of old school debate on who is our... 4.5 4.5 defender of choice for this season. Um, starting off, uh, the template pick, amazingly, is still Botman. Um, I feel like he went off with a bang. in um, As soon as his price came out that he was 4.5, it was clear he was underpriced. Great, great value. Not a load of goal threat at all, but maybe unlucky not to get one or two goals last season. 
Um, I think he got a couple of assists rather than goals last year. But either way, 4.5 million, very, very good value. But then people started to realise and clock on to the fact Newcastle's opening few fixtures are nothing to be excited about. So it's time that maybe we look at some other options. A few different members have been touted, but it's time for us to tout our own. So, Tom, why don't you take it away? Yep, for me, this is the 12th man, isn't it? It's something we've been saying on WCA for years, but seemingly now adopted by the wider community. <laughs> I mean, it's it's um, it's um, it's that guy who's going to be on your, on your bench who hopefully will not lose value and will hopefully come on for you if needed. And I suppose for me, it's Rico Henry, uh, him or Colwell, uh, if that does kind of transpire at Chelsea. Those are the two I'm looking at. I mentioned um, Buemo's uh, uh, having good fixtures earlier on. Uh, Colwell, obviously, uh, uh, sorry, Henry obviously cop, uh, shares those. And there's loads of games within the opening kind of few weeks that I'd be happy to own him for, especially when we get around kind of the Champions League sort of area. Uh, game week six, uh, Everton at home. Uh, game week seven, not Forest away. Game week nine, Burnley at home. So, I mean, he could be one that would make the slot for you because he's basically with, with these players. I, I hate bench headaches. I don't like, for example, when I see teams that have got Chilwell on the bench. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, he's ready to go in game week two or game week three. But who the hell are you benching? I mean, you're telling me you're benching Matoma. You're telling me you're benching Bruno Fernandes. I don't really see how that's going to work. So this is a player that I'm happy to bench, forget all about. I don't care if he you know, scores 12 points. It doesn't matter to me because he was always going to be on the bench. And for me, a player like Rico Henry, who's going to be able, who is in with a shout of getting you kind of extra points if needs be, Decent chance of a clean sheet, although Flecken seems a little bit unsteady, uh, according to Brentford fans in pre-season. Uh, but nonetheless, it has the fixtures at least to, if you do have to look to your bench, look to your first sub to sub on. I think Henry would probably be the one I'd go with. I mean, Cole will, I, at the moment, actually, is in my um, in my draft. So I think Henry's kind of the more kind of, if we're not sure about Colwell, then I'll definitely get Henry. But uh, Henry's, uh, Colwell's one that potentially, you know, is top value. Um, it's, it's always nice to own a player who sticks in your team and who wildcard wild one and beyond, who potentially just kind of keeps appreciating in value. And if Colwell nails that spot, I know there's FM hero Dizazi coming in for them as well. So I don't know what's going on there. And Badia Shile is. Uh, um, getting better, recovering from his injury, then he could be one that ends up in your first eleven potentially. Even uh, Colwell, uh, when Chelsea's fixtures really get better after game week three. But yeah, I, I think uh, that all aside, uh, probably a Henry sort of character with decent enough fixtures, uh, some semblance of kind of attacking threat where you can get something. That's kind of where I am with this. I, I'm not a big fan of Botman at the moment. I, I can't get out of my head when James at Planet FPL said, yeah. He's highly owned. Those people are going to be going all out, getting, you know, Salah, Kane, if he's still there, Haaland, Trent, paying 4.5 million defender. If he doesn't keep a clean sheet first week, second week, he's going to drop like a stone in terms of price. So you want a player who's going to hold his value and potentially kind of provide you with some positives if he does come on. You've gone with a new man, though. Again, Villa. You're so <laughs> bullish on Villa. Yeah, accidentally bullish on Villa. Um, I only noticed when we set up this stream that I picked three 
out of the five Villa, I think it is. Um, so, yeah, I, I've gone with Pau Torres, who comes highly rated from um, La Liga. Obviously, he's handpicked by Emery as well. So um, you'd expect him to start very, very quickly and become almost that um, captain-like figure at the back, which Tyrone Mings in recent seasons has been. But you'd expect him to almost slot in as um, an Emery's boy and become that that uh, that player for them. Villa's opening five fixtures, I expect there to be a decent chance of three clean sheets. Um, so Everton, Burnley and Palace in the first five, I think that will be a pretty good shout at clean sheets. He's also got 10 goals in 136 um, La Liga games for Villa, uh, for uh, Villarreal even. So that's not bad attacking return from goal threat over his career record. So it's not like you're not getting any attacking returns from, from this guy if he was to continue uh, along that along that sort of threat, uh, especially from set pieces, you'd assume. The question mark, I suppose, over him is will he slot straight in from the off? And from the most recent two preseason friendlies that Villa have had, he started both of them. So I think they're starting to hone in on what would be the preferred 11. And you like defensively getting that back four or back five set up in preseason friendlies, especially the last two or three before you head into your first league game, because you know that you want them to at least have played together once or twice, just so that they know each other's mannerisms. They know, they know how they'll work together as a unit. And I think we've got those signals from Villa now that I would be at least quite confident that he starts um, the first, well, from the sure. off. Um, so, yeah, he is probably a less attacking, uh, threatening option than your choice. But I think there's also a slightly better chance of clean sheets in that first five. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, Flecken has looked a little bit shaky at the back in preseason. Um, just to play devil's advocate on that, though, his numbers historically as a goalkeeper are actually largely positive and he usually overperforms on um, XG prevented. So pre-season bad, but over the longevity of his career, not so bad. So I can see why Brentford have gone for him as a rare replacement when he inevitably goes. Um, so yeah, I actually really like your option. And when you told me you were going with Henry, I've kind of picked a, another option as a as a as a second a secondary pick that you could also look at but i have to say i'm pretty happy with either of these two picks or even colwell as a 4.5 option if it's clear that he will be a starting center back for chelsea from the off um the other is destiny at tottenham who if he starts yeah if he starts he could be a really interesting one because he'll be playing fullback and we know that historically the system that they will play probably favours those fullbacks. So if we can guarantee them to keep any clean sheets whatsoever, he might not be a bad pick. But I think that is a little bit too risky from the off for me personally. Yeah, it's not a fair fight, is it? I think the poor old Botman has been completely trampled he by has. Any, any fight we put out in front of him. I think the um the, the key kind of opposition is whether you're going with a 4.5 who has some semblance of a chance of attacking returns or whether, as with Pau Torres, you're looking at a 4.5 who has got some semblance of 
clean sheet value. Uh, Colwell probably falls more into the Torres sort of bracket. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm an R between both because you've also got Adogi as well, who fits into that kind of Henry bracket too. And um, I'm always tempted to go with the one who's going to bring you the attacking returns, just because you're likely to get that sort of assist or something off the bench. But um, yeah, but obviously got the clean sheets on the other side. Oh, it's rubbish. I, I don't know. I don't know at the moment. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where where the consensus is going to land, or at least where my thinking is going to land. I, I've got um, Colwell at the moment actually in my in my team because I think if he does, as I said earlier on, if he, if he is the starting centre back for Chelsea, I'm pretty happy with that, especially with the early fits. I think he will tick up and appreciate in value and could well kind of be someone who comes into my first 11. Um, but I might have chill. Well, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit of a vibes pick, isn't it? And I don't think Botman's got the vibe from the off. So I think it's fair to say that on this one, Botman has probably low in our estimations, but eventually he will be very, very good value. Just not not right now. Um, yeah, I think both of these picks have probably knocked him out for now um, and possibly even two or three other picks that we briefly mentioned too. So with that being said, uh, let's move on to our final battle, our headline act, as it were, of the evening. And that is Gabriel Jesus, who in that 8 million forwards spot, we've spoken about forwards a little bit in this pod, but it is worth mentioning um, who he's up against. And there are at least a few good options that I think are widely being overlooked at the moment. But um, we've picked out a couple and I think we've kind of picked them out jointly on this one. We, I think we agree on both of these, starting with Ollie Watkins, who obviously, as you mentioned earlier on in this pod, is your boy. So would you like to explain why? Oh, do, I, do I need to? I mean, I think <laughs> it's, it's tal- talisman theory all over the place, really, with Watkins. I mean, we've got to see what, what the Derby factor is now. You've completely thrown me off, Sam. Now no, I've just got Derby on my mind. Um, don't let yeah, it distract I, you. Like, I mean, don't but, let it. He will still be great. <laughs> with Watkins, you've got kind of the reincarnation of Jamie Vardy uh, at a team which is served to. Which which is set up to serve him effectively. We, we looked at this on the pricing pod. We've got a player whose heat map is can change from kind of roving around looking for the ball to being squarely focused on getting on the end of things and being serviced by the rest of the team. Talisman for Villa on penalties, decent-ish opening fixtures. I mean, I, I, Newcastle game we'll see, but the rest of them, you know, I. I He's the sort of player, similar to Callum Wilson in Newcastle, that you can see could just score in any game. And I think that his streakiness as well is something which is really interesting because if you've got a team which, continue, which is continuing to serve him, if you've got a team which, continuing, which is continuing to be played to the strengths of one individual, it's one that's very difficult to turn down. Last year, Watkins was... Well, he didn't do too badly in terms of the uh, non-penetrative. He was in the top ten, so mm. seventh. Villa have improved massively, and he, as a player, is continuing to improve. And he's still never actually overperformed on his xG either. Um, he's not uh, since the whole time he's been at Villa, he's underperformed every single time. Not not massively, but he does very well. Uh, Seventeen xG like xG last year. That's not bad at all. And it could be one that could only get better with Villa getting better. So I know that's very wishy-washy, 
compared to my usual sort of answers, but he's one that I think has thrown off the Wally Watkins sort of tag. Um, there are a few unkind things that have been said over to, uh, about him on Twitter in the past, which I will not repeat here, uh, but a player who I, I think who's going to be good value for the 8 million. Um, mm. It's not even my fighter. I don't know why I'm fighting this guy's corner, but you know, he's <laughs> not even my fighter, um, but I like him a lot. With Jesus, yeah. I mean, you know, very decent XGI, um, injured last year for a lot of it. So other people are kind of saying, oh, you know, he's into 100 points, blah, blah, blah. Well, he was injured for a lot of it, so that's fine. And second, uh, for, for, sorry, fourth for XGI last year. Um, and was very actually really close to Saka's XGI, despite being injured for so long. And 26 starts compared to Saka's uh, 38 and 0.5 XGI between them. Uh, a player who's... The ceiling is realistically about twenty goals, um, probably about twenty. Yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't include the assists. So, still a really good player. It's just one that last year, Jesus in your team was non-negotiable because you were looking at kind of sixty percent ownership. I know people hate that, but this year you're looking at half of that. And I think it's who's one you can go against because I said earlier on, you've got the Martinelli or you've got all these other kind of characters hanging around. And I, I've uh, my actual fighter, Sam, since I've just defended yours, can you defend mine? <laughs> yeah, I'll defend yours happily. I'm ju- just to finish off on the Ollie Watkins one as well, um, just an extra point that you kind of touched on, but picking Watkins over Jesus also enables you to get to that double Arsenal midfield. And I think that could be a really valuable differential in itself. So that's one to consider there as well. Another player that would also enable you to remove Jesus and move to a double Arsenal midfield is Darwin Nunez. Now, Darwin Nunez splits the community and depending on who you talk to, they either love him or they hate him. They either think he's going to be world-class or he's a complete flop and almost a laughing case. Um, but then again, in the past, we've had laughing stock Watkins laughed at, laughed out of most templates at the start of seasons. And now here we are with him being a really well-touted player with a decent pedigree behind him. Darwin Nunez's underlying data last season, despite all of the hilarity that ensued, was absolutely out of this world. Harlem was the only player that realistically was competing with the sort of numbers that he was. He is a big chances hoover. When he's on the pitch, he is the player that seems to scrape together all of Liverpool's big chances. And that is sadly to Salah's detriment a lot of the time. And again, let's not look at preseason form so much, but more the fact that he is starting a lot of their preseason games and the fact he's being played in his favoured role in those matches, it looks like Klopp is determined to try and get the best out of this player. And honestly, at 7.5 million, especially with that game week two fixture for Bournemouth, um, or against Bournemouth rather, having a player that is as explosive or as potentially explosive as Darwin Nunez in your side could be a fantastic differential in the opening few game weeks. And because he's so low priced for what he could be worth if he were to continue starting and if he were to get off to a good start, that that price is going to quickly skyrocket possibly even over the likes of Jesus or Watkins if he gets off to that good start. After three or four game weeks, we could be looking at someone who's worth 8.1, 8.2. 
and then he's much harder to get to. So he provides that Liverpool cover if you don't have Salah, if you don't have Trent. It is a risk on minutes, a little bit, but from what we've seen in pre-season so far and the fact that Klopp does seem determined to fit him in and play to his strengths, I think he could be a really interesting option for the start of the season at a really fair price in a team that we know accumulate 2.5 to 3xG consistently no matter who they play. Yes, indeed. So people are kind of probably kind of shouting, where are the Chelsea forwards here? Where, mm-hmm. where are they? Well, I mean, you've got two games before they get into their really good run. Liverpool at home, West Ham away. You may be thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm going to start with the Chelsea forward. You know, screw it. But the thing is, a lot of game week one teams also have a very good game week two. So it feels like this year the, the Mets is going to be, I'm going to roll that first transfer, get to game week three. So could I interest you in a Dar- Darwin Nunez punt? Well, sounds like I've interested you, Sam, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chelsea, we don't really know what's going to happen there away for them um, and Bournemouth at home. And Sam says, I don't I don't care that he's been scoring in preseason. Obviously, that's a good thing. But it's so important he's been starting in that favoured role, as you mentioned. Like, if, if this continues, I think we can kind of park fears about starts, at least in the short term. I'm not buying the player for the whole season. This isn't a, a zombie team. I'm buying a player who can play a role for the first couple of weeks and then maybe I'd look at selling on. I, I don't think it's going to be the case that Klopp is going to be playing this guy in preseason every game. We'll see what happens in the next couple of games. Um, and then we kind of goes, oh, you know what, I'm playing Jota. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. So it's one to keep an eye on. I think it's a really interesting preseason thing that we've kind of spotted and it could be a really good early maneuver given the fixtures and you know it allays those fears about i don't own Salah for bournemouth i don't own trent for bournemouth well you know i've got Nunez and you know, we've got jesus obviously here as kind of the the, the the template fighter well if you can quote unquote cover him with a martinelli as sam said that could be a really good differential then why not go with a darwin if you keep money in the bank you can get to a watkins and um, i think loads of kind of setups at the moment do kind of cater for that 0.5 even one to be kept in the bank to add that sort of extra sort of uh, maneuverability but yeah captain chaos as many people in the community call him could just be that kind of nice way into making sure you're not sat with players from four teams as well, basically, which I know it shouldn't be a problem, but it, you could very easily basically pick players, free City, free United, free Arsenal, two Brighton. That could be your team. I mean, you could easily do it this year. So it could be one the way you kind of increase your sort of representation throughout the week as well. Not that matters. Um, but if you're buying a player who XGI per 90 is stupid high, the highest last year of any player, well, no, I, I think that he could be worth it, especially because you can cover off the, the template fighter somewhere else. Mm. I think it actually is a, a risk that is more than tempting. It's potentially worth taking, especially with that game week two fixture. And also, like you said, whilst you shouldn't really be that concerned about covering more extra teams in your draft, this is a team that is consistently scoring over two XG every single match. It's quite an important team to try to cover if you can. And I think the only reason we're not covering them in our masses at the moment is because of the price points. 
Well, Darwin Nunez doesn't have that issue. And the reason his price is so positive is because we're not hyper confident on whether he starts week in, week out. But from preseason, it looks like it is actually fairly likely at which point he becomes a, uh, a striker that's probably worth nine plus rather than 7.5. So if you want to take that punt and use that extra slot for an Arsenal midfielder rather than a Jesus up top, I think that is a risk that's potentially worth taking. And um, yeah, as it stands, I'm off of Jesus and I would prefer, I think, either of the two options we've touted. Fair play. I mean, it's, 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 it's really interesting, this one, because it's the spot that I think I've tinkered with the most. I think I sent you a draft when I first started playing with it um, that had Watkins in. And then kind of I've, I've kind of slowly kind of warmed a lot to that initial Darwin pickup because I mean, we've got to talk about the Chelsea guys a little bit. You've got Nkunku and you've got Jackson both performing fairly decently in pre-season. It's just those first couple of fixtures. I think we all like to capitalise on fixture runs. Uh, I, I can see why you could kind of put, hope for first mover advantage if they do okay versus Liverpool and West Ham. It's just you kind of cover off the anxiety, I suppose, with Darwin about that Bournemouth game. I don't like to book in transfers. I'm not a big fan of that. But it might be worth taking the risk on a player who puts off really good numbers if you're convinced by the X-Mins when it comes to Darwin. So any sort of initial thoughts, Sam, about Jackson and Nkunku uh, from what you've seen in preseason or what what you know? I think we kind of spoke about them both in on the pricing pod, but any, any kind of developments to where you are with those two? Is it, is it, I'm, sure, I'm sure it's a case of watch and wait still for you. I think it is wait and see for me at the moment. Like what I've seen of both of them is really positive. I'm encouraged by the early signs, but like we mentioned last week, I don't want to get carried away by the preseason form so much. It is interesting to see Nkunku playing a few different roles for them so far, and that that should provide us good information to expected minutes being really positive throughout the season. But as it stands. I still feel like I'd like to see them in Premier League action. And especially on Jackson, he is starting up top for Chelsea at the moment and scoring goals in pre-season. But only time will tell whether or not that whether or not we can actually back him to continue starting because he's not being brought in as that talismanic striker, I, I don't believe. Whereas Nkunku probably has a good chance of stealing minutes from him up top as striker at times. So I'd like to see a little bit more, especially in the Premier League, to see whether Chelsea get get off and running quickly. And I think we've got that that pleasure because of the opening couple of fixtures. We've got that those two weeks or so to have a think and see how they set up before we really need to make that decision. And if we hop on them early it might be a risk that isn't worth taking when we've got three options here that all have good fixtures, all we know a little bit more about for one way or the other. So I'm probably more convinced on them to start with, with a view to moving towards those Chelsea assets once the fixtures tick up a little bit. And also we know a little bit more about how they set up. For sure. I mean, there's still definitely a big pro in the Jesus column, which is obviously the expected goal involvement. When he's on the pitch, 
Um, I think he's uh, in the captaincy group for Arsenal now, or at least he should be after Xhaka's departure. A, a big influence, obviously, has been there and done it in terms of winning the league, at least for Man City. And you can kind of feasibly see why he's in those people's thoughts. I He'd be one that, if I did go for 3-4-3, for example, I'd be looking at maybe him alongside of Darwin plus Haaland. I think that he definitely is kind of high in mind. It's just Marcinelli also being there, if he is fit, I mean, I don't know about the preseason stuff, then I, it kind of, for me, feels a bit to kind of bring it back to who wins a particular fight that we're both a bit cold on Jesus, which sounds a little bit odd because you know, we were both kind of singing his praises a few weeks ago, which kind of shows the development of thinking, I guess, throughout preseason to some extent. Are we missing a trick though of Jesus? I mean, you still have the fabulous SGI like last year, game week two, 19 pointer. When everything goes right for Jesus, it really goes right. But I suppose you're making a mistake. You can make the same argument for Darwin. So it's, mm. it's kind of one of those, isn't it, where you're kind of trying to throw your hat in one particular ring and hoping you get lucky. Yeah, I think all three of these strikers have that potential. Ollie Watkins did it against Newcastle last season. So all three of these have that upside. It is true that Jesus is a fantastic player, but I think you can complement that with other players like Erdegaard, like Martinelli, barring injury, of course. Um, so overall, right now, I am off of Jesus and probably on, I think right now I'm on Ollie Watkins, but I could easily be convinced into Darwin instead and save that's 0.5. But yeah, I think to summarise here and then um, to wrap up, I right now, out of these three picks, the fighter that I'm choosing um, is actually your pick, which is Ollie Watkins. <laughs> Um, I, my fighter's Darwin, but yes, I, I, I do love Watkins. I, I, I'm at, my pick is actually Darwin uh, in terms of FPL at the moment as well. But yeah, I mean, I forgot who I picked there. It was yeah. Ollie Watkins was my pick, but I'm yeah. very bullish on both of them. <laughs> Get rid of Holland and go over them both. I mean, eh, not that bullish. <laughs> Fair play. I mean, I, I think it's it's definitely interesting. So it's been a really good exercise to go through all of these binaries and kind of see where we are really with all of them with um, Saka and Bruno and Son it was very much a case of you know, Saka and seemed to be the kind of the recurring theme that came out like we weren't at any point KOing Saka we were all kind of saying we we're both saying well you know Saka probably does need to stay it's just who supplements him because there's quite a lot of overwhelming evidence in this case uh, Son was for me, a KO. For you, probably on the mat. Uh, but, you know, there you go. Uh, Trent versus midfielders and forwards. And midfielder, I think, won for us. And uh, mm -hmm. Matoma versus Diaby and uh, Diaby and uh, the other guy. Uh, I, I think uh, it, I'm high on Diaby now. That's the thing, Sam. You completely dummy <laughs> over there. <laughs> Although I think the Matoma, yeah, shades it marginally on feeling practical with Brighton's opening fixtures. So I think that mm -hmm. kind of is where we are. Uh, Botman versus Henry and Torres. Yeah, Botman KO. It's a case of whether it's X return to the 4.5 or X clean sheets. It's where we go after that. And finally, Jesus first start on the Watkins, as we've mentioned. I think we're, we're veering on uh, towards not going with the uh, templatey old Jesus last year, 80%. This year, slightly less. And saying, you know, midfield could be where it's at of Arsenal, both quite like Marcinelli, and taking a risk on different option like Darwin. 
or Watkins. So yeah, mm-hmm. really interesting stuff. Yeah, really interesting episode. Hope you all enjoyed it out there. Like we mentioned at the top of the pod, if you've got other fighters you want to nominate, do put them in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube and let us know who you think won each debate as we went through the show too. Um, In the meantime, thank you all so much for listening once again. Um, We were Who Got the Assist. You can find us on Twitter or X at WGTA underscore FPL, um, or you can find me at FPL Pricey on those platforms. And you can find um, us on Instagram or threads at WGTA.FPL or again, myself at FPL Pricey. If you enjoyed the pod, please do one or preferably all of the following. Uh, If you could give us a follow on those socials, that would be fantastic. If you could give the pod a five-star rating on wherever you're listening to it, that would be really, really helpful. And then finally, if you're watching on YouTube, then if you could drop a like on uh, this show and then also subscribe to the channel if you're interested in seeing us some more this season that would be also really really helpful all of these things really do help um, with the progress of the pod throughout the season cool well thanks Sam really interesting pod we'll be back with you next week for the final preseason pod yay it's over for another year seven bloody years of preseason we hope you enjoyed the pods we hope you're on board the rest of the season if you're a new listener and more than anything we hope we assisted you think about these weird verses 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 i'm not even sure which one it is anymore um, as you look towards your game at one squad speak to you soon oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist Podcast Network.